On this special bonus episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to David Kersner. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this special bonus edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend Ken Gregory and our new friend of the Palaver, Dave Kersner. Hi guys. Hey Dave. Dave, hi. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us tonight. This is this is uh, a, a truly unexpected pleasure. I'll, I'll just give a little preamble here. Um, normally on Tuesday nights, I am you know I've, I've got my kids for dinner, and after the kids sounds go, delicious. Yeah, after after the kids go back to uh, to their mom's house, we uh, we convene the palaver. So I was I was on the text toy trying to figure out what we were going to do tonight and and ken informs me that that dave you had had a a facebook live event going that he was a part of and and apparently after the fact you had indicated that you wanted to uh, maybe talk to us so so thank you very much for joining my pleasure yeah i just happened to be in a sort of uh social media uh toying around mood because um on friday between five and eight um, Eastern Standard Time, I'm taking over uh, an Instagram uh, company, a uh, company on Instagram called IK Multimedia, uh, which I've, I've been a part of in different ways. And, and I have a company called Sonic Reality. It's, it's basically products for musicians, software products and hardware interfaces, audio interfaces and keyboards and um, all sorts of cool stuff. And basically, um, IK has been having artists take over their Instagram and just post behind the scenes stuff. So I actually don't use Instagram interactively as much as I use Facebook. So I decided to um, kind of combine the two, go back and forth and do some live streams from, um, Insta- from my Instagram, my personal one, Dave Kersner. And then, uh, you know, I- I'm sort of notorious, uh, you know, for doing impromptu Facebook Live um, posts that are just non, you know, not planned, totally real. Like, you know, I could be, I mean, this time it was kind of funny. Like, I posted from the couch, the studio couch, (laughs) 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 saying, you know what, no one ever does that. And probably for a good reason, but, uh, you know, it's usually some kind of like, uh, you know, favorable situation uh where they look good and and there's something really cool going on i was just taking a nap and i thought oh you know what this is you know this is real that's that's pretty real (laughs) (laughs) i did actually nap though and the funny thing is is that ken actually said to me if i wanted to do the podcast and i'm like when now because i (laughs) had planned to nap so so much for the nap. I, I actually didn't get the nap, but it's okay. I, I prefer to, uh, you know, have these kind of fun impromptu chats. 
Well, that that well, is that's spectacular, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sorry to keep you from from a nap, but we're very <laughs> glad to have you uh, have you on board here for the evening. <laughs> well, we we did as much um, prep and route tracing as we could, and we traced our routes um, to you through uh, Joey. So uh, I believe you used. Um, uh, our, our buddy Joey to play drums on Machine Messiah. Can you tell us about that uh, uh, recording process? Yeah. Oh, so you're talking about we did uh, Fernando Perdomo and I co-produced a uh, Yes tribute called um, uh, Yesterday and Today, a 50th anniversary tribute to Yes. We put it out last year for was it last year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. This is the 51st now. So we put it out last year for their 50th. Uh, to celebrate the 50th and <clears throat> we did it in a fun way I i've been working as a side project on tribute albums that have like a twist to them and the twist is that we celebrate the music of the artist or band we're tri uh, paying tribute to with some of the members or past members or people from the band so it becomes kind of like a, a hybrid of something that would be you know, authentic because it's got the, like, for instance, Machine Messiah has Jeff Downs, who was the original, he's a current keyboard player for Yes, but he was the original keyboard player for Drama, where that song came from. So, and it was, of course, it was a real thrill for me being a keyboard player, sharing the keyboards with, um, with Jeff. And then, of course, uh, and actually, the interesting thing about that song is Nick DiVirgilio and Randy McStein are the Oh, yeah. And Nick yep. was supposed to actually do the drums, but I had a um, session booked with Nick because he's playing in my project in Continuum, and I had a session. Yeah, booked good with stuff. Him. He's a busy guy, thank you. He's a busy guy, and it turned out that the session I had booked was after the due date that we had to turn the album in. Oh, so no. we were in a crunch, and I knew I've, I've met Joe and his and his. Uh, dad mike um you know from Chris yes band mike yeah mike, yep. mike yes band and um you know and i know joe uh plays with a yes tribute of his own and he knows that stuff inside now and I, i've seen him play with patrick moraz and you know the, the the late night guys on cruise to the edge so um i think and actually i to, to give credit it was probably fernando who thought of it who also has worked with joe uh, anyway, so we, we just called him up and it just so happened that he was in L.A. and could go over that night after a party and record drums at a friend of mine's studio. And he nailed it. So that's how that happened. Oh, that's beautiful. That, I mean, yeah, that, that is fantastic. We, we've had um, I, I know Ken has spent more time with with uh, with Joey and, and the rest of, of TMR. Total master but but we you know, we here on the on the Palaver have had a great time getting to know, um, you know, that that group as much as we can, as, as well as as Joe's done a couple of extra episodes with us. He's he's just been he's been a joy to work with. Yeah, he's a good guy. And uh, also Johnny Bruins is on that song, and he was uh, really helpful. In fact, there's a lot of really great musicians that play uh, sometimes with each other or on different projects. Uh, Robert Berry's on there from Three. Yes. Steve Hackett's on there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Sonia Christine. Actually, all of Curved Air are on there. So it's it was a fun. You know, I, I look at those projects as 
I, I mean, I'm a little bit gratuitous sometimes with my actual like original music albums. I don't really intend to be, but like sometimes I, I go a little nuts with the Rolodex guest thing situation, like I did on the latest in Continuum album. Um, but and sometimes my solo records, but I try to keep that sort of very to like you know under control. Uh, no pun intended. I have a song called Under Control. But um, and uh, <laughs> but the tribute albums are a full on excuse to try working with different people uh, because it's kind of like a playground, musical playground. You know, we're all it's not our song, so we're all just trying to honor the songs and cast different people and try different little super groups per song almost and, and it's definitely a great uh, it's a lot of fun and it's and it's a good exercise for me as a musician and a producer uh to you know the challenge of working with different personalities and people in different places and different styles and ways of working so i like it for that so so dave you had indicated that this this idea of of tribute albums utilizing um, actual members of the bands that are being tributed was sort of a deliberate choice. Was that something that you, you said, hey, this is a better way to do it, or, or would, did you just kind of fall into that by some happenstance? How did that come about? Well, actually, the real reason it started at all uh, was because it, with my sound company that I mentioned earlier, Sonic Reality, uh, we, we sample instruments meaning we record and digitize uh instruments and grooves from drummers and things like that and make them into sound library products that musicians can buy and use in their software or use on you know their drum electronic drum kits or whatever and or the keyboard and so i've been doing that for years um as a way to support my uh gear uh habits because you know studio gear is expensive and i'm a big uh, gear slut so um <laughs> that's your, uh, well uh, that's that's your facebook feed on any given week i know i can count on it well, i mean that's my like, my day job i guess and it's really cool for that to be connected to the music industry because i've actually met a lot of musicians who i've worked with through that because they love what we do they love ik multimedia products they love sonic reality products like genesis and all different bands uh that's how i got to meet them and work with uh, many of them so so that's been a unique thing but uh but what happened was we were doing sample libraries with neil peart from rush or nick mason from pink floyd and alan parsons and we we're basically going into the oh. studio and recreating rush drum tracks or pink floyd drum tracks or with Terry Bozio and all these different great drummers, uh, Bob Siebenberg for Super Super Tramp. So since we're doing that as products that you can use in any contest, you can write songs with it. You can, uh, but uh, it's obviously a lot of fun to do a Rush song with Neil playing drums, especially now that he's retired. But he, at the time he wasn't retired, we recorded this around the time they did the Snakes and Arrows tour. Okay, and. Uh. Um, you know, so so that was the impetus. We we uh, we actually did an EP of Rush Rush tribute EP. We got Rick Emmett from Triumph to go on it. Billy Sherwood from Yes, uh, John Wesley from Porcupine Tree, and there's a full album of that coming with Francis Dunnery, Mike Keneally, all sorts of different people uh, participating in that, all with Neil Peart's drums because I sampled it with Rush's. Uh, producer Nick Raskulinics. And then um, same thing with the Pink Floyd one. I recorded um, 
uh, Nick Mason with Alan Parsons, who hadn't record recorded Nick Mason since they did Dark Side of the Moon. Wow. Which is, it was an incredible experience in the studio, which fortunately does have some footage, some documentation and stuff. Um, but, you know, and that's something that anybody could buy, Nick Mason drums, and you can have, like, the drums. That's what That was the point of it all, was to recreate that specific sound. But um, since I have the McBroom sisters who are were Pink Floyd's backing vocalists in my my solo band, Dave Kersner band, anyway. And oh, I'm, yeah, the Florida gigs on YouTube are fantastic. Where, where did uh, you play that? Uh, you got some really good footage on that one. Oh, we did that near my studio in Miami right before Cruise to the Edge. Um, so they, so with them and then uh, Harry Waters, Roger Waters' son is a friend of ours, and all sorts of different people sort of in and out related to Floyd. But then also... You know, like Keith Emerson was on it, late Keith Emerson, uh, and that hasn't been released yet. But so that was the idea was like, well, we already have a participating band member through the sample libraries. And then when we, when we got around to doing the Yes one, it kind of, I mean, even though I actually technically do have an old Bill Bruford sample library, and we sell an Alan White one that, that we didn't produce, and actually we didn't produce the Bill Bruford one, those are licenses that we have to sell them, but we had those, but they're kind of old, and they're not quite as powerful as like the Neil Peart and the later ones. So we didn't end up using those, but um, but it sort of grew from there. It was the idea, the spirit of it was kind of like rock and roll fantasy camp, you know, where it's like this isn't just a tribute, you know, that anyone could do. We have these really cool ties with each other, and you know, through Cruise to the Edge, you know, I've become friends with the guys from Yes. And they've sat in on my music and, you know, it's really kind of a, a nice family tree, you know, uh, thing where we just kind of all, this person plays with that person plays with it and, and we like working together. So it's a great excuse to do it with like gratuitously, like really just kind of like, okay, you know, every song has a different lineup. I, I would feel, it would feel too much of a novelty if I was to do that for, let's say like a solo record of, of original music. It would just feel like, okay, he's just really just, you know, overdoing it with the Rolodex and, and just, you know, <laughs> but, but with well, Dave, well, why, why don't, why don't we uh, talk to the elephant in the room? Um, you, you are perhaps the friendliest character in prog rock, but you're also the black sheep in prog rock. Like you have gone the gamut of, of independence and, and, and friendship and growth. And, and, and you express in your Facebook live today that you, you have to draw the boundaries and, and, and you've made some hard choices. So why don't, why don't you, you know, kind of share for us a little bit of, of what you talked about today earlier. Oh, that situation. Yeah. Well, what we were talking about, first of all, like in my entire music career, if you want to call it that, um, which has been going on for a while, um, Sadly, I, I, I'm old. I don't think that I'm old. Technically, <laughs> I've been around the block. So, um, and I've been reminded a few times uh, harshly, but uh, but the, um, like, I just hurt my back, for example. And, and someone had pointed out, yeah, that's what happens when you get old. I'm like, nah, I'm not old, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but the, uh, so, I mean, I made music in the 90s in LA. I was in Kevin Gilbert's band. And, um, and then I was asked to be in Spock's Beard uh, after we had played. I, I played the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, uh, a good portion of it with Kevin Gilbert with, with Giraffe. 
And Nick DiVirgilio was a drummer for that. He was a drummer for Spock's Beard, and they asked me to play keys in the band. And I turned it down. And then someone had asked me if I had any regrets about that. And uh, because they were very successful since then and everything. No and doubt, yeah. I said, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm very honest about all these things. And I said, no, I really don't. I mean, first of all, I'm happy for them. And if anything, their success, and Nick, Nick DiVirgilio specifically, sort of saying to me, you know, about five years after that, like, dude, you should do Prague, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, this is like, it is a scene now and we're, we're successful and you would love this. Not even asking me to play with him per se, but just saying, knowing where I come from, we have the same roots, just saying I should do it. And I actually took that advice and have him to thank uh, and some others to, um, you know, for getting back into music because I was sort of going a little corporate with the, uh, with the, software and sound libraries and stuff like that so that's cool perfect yeah get back into it but uh, so i didn't have any regrets but also because as much as i really respect those guys it's not necessarily my cup of tea songwriting wise i think they play great and i could see why everyone loves them but like i don't know what it is about music that just draws me in but all i know is that when it does it's not about the money and it's not about favors, not about anything. It's like I would do it for free. Like when I just well, you, lo love it. And you I grabbed me earlier. You mentioned Stephen Wilson. You mentioned David Gilmore. Who else did you mention? Yeah, well, yeah, you, there's certain artists that like if they said do this, I would, you know, I would just jump and do it. Like uh, Roger Hodgson from Super Tramp. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. who I almost played with, actually. I, I, I talked to him about because I'm friends with uh, some of the people in his band, uh, but it didn't end up happening. But I would have liked that gig. Um, and then I did mention also that I, I did some work for Smashing Pumpkins and that Billy Corrigan had personally said to me that I should audition. He didn't say I had the gig, but he, but he was basically suggesting, like, hey, you should audition. They were doing the keyboards on the album. It was the Adore album. And then, so they did it themselves, but they needed a keyboard player for live. And he's like, you should come by an audition, you know, whatever. And it wasn't even that it was an audition that just kind of like made me not do it. I just, I'm not, I couldn't imagine playing music that I don't love for a year on the road, even though it was good money. Uh, it's just, no, I don't do it really for the money. I mean, it's, I do need to make money in order to be able to do it, but I would rather make less money and do what I love spend more money and do music that I'm not really like drawn to. So, but I love to big train and yes, you said that you said Marillion as well. When you said Marillion, I jumped up. I'm like, we need, we need to podcast now. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I just, I like melodic music, but again, like I, I don't put down anybody else. It's just a matter of like what you're just kind of magnetically drawn to. And, and, um, you know, because listen, I go on Cruise to the Edge, it's my fifth year in a row, and there's a lot of bands, and they're all amazing in their own way. Um, like, for instance, Haken, they're incredible. I mean, they're so tired, you know, but you know, I don't necessarily go and buy their albums, but I can appreciate and I like the guys, they're really nice, and they're amazing, and I'll watch a show and stuff like that. But you know, then there's music that just like, let's say, watching Steve Hackett play old genesis and like that's my jam you know like i don't know so and yes you know the, like uh god when yes did gates of delirium on this tour i mean I know, that's right? just 
<laughs> that's my thing. So, you know, it is what it is. So when, when we're talking about regrets, I what as far as what Ken was just saying before, it's like I did open up about like, well, I, I it's not good to have regrets really, but if I was gonna have some regrets in we were hindsight's 2020, there are were a few cases, let's say Kevin Gilbert, uh, his band, and also Sound of Contact, where <clears throat> I had to make a decision that was like like on the one hand, like there's something about this. I don't want to get into details, but that I feel is underappreciating me or is unfair uh, or is wrong, you know, in some cases. Um, and I can either suck it up and, you know, c carry on or I can make a stand and potentially, you know, screw up the situation from, for me. And that's what happened with both. You know, but um, like with with Kevin, um, you know, we had just played the Lamb, and then he did a cover of Back in New York City, which I love anyway. But he didn't even tell me about it, let alone ask me oh. to play on it. And it's like, dude, I just had <laughs> ass off learning this. You know, you you couldn't let me. You know, I just thought that was just so disrespectful. Uh. And but you know, still, uh, he did it with Mike Keneally, who later on I worked with, and he's the nicest guy, and he's really super cool. So. It's kind of like when I think back about how, uh, you know, I mean, I, I was right, but had I known he wouldn't be here anymore and, you know, that was it, I kind of feel bad that they did some gigs without me and they didn't even replace me. They didn't even have a keyboard player and it just sounded like it was missing the keyboards and I thought, oh man, I should have just sucked it up and stayed and especially knowing that that was it, you know, but of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, and same thing with sound contact. I, um, you know, they did. We did. I love doing the tours that we did, the few the, the, the string of shows, and because of our sort of disagreements, uh, you know, and their weird choice to just carry on without me because we couldn't resolve our agreements, and the agreements just weren't right. Um, you know, I, without getting into details. And so, and they've, they, you know, since apologized for doing that, but it really hurt uh, to not be part of, you know, because I was a major part of the writing and production of that one album. And so for, you know, another, you know, and Bill is a super nice guy. Anyway, I've met him since, but someone else replacing me and then everyone just loving it just the same. And it's like, yeah, but that's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. It's like, you know, but it was a great uh, spark for me to do my finally start my solo career. So it kind of had to happen that way. But there is a part of me that just thinks, especially now, since since from that time, we, we all got back together and, and sort of buried the hatchet. But then even still, because of the differences in how we all work and the uh, roadblocks without getting the details that we had as a band um, and personal issues and whatnot, and everyone living in different parts of the world. Um, so it was so damn expensive to just do anything, especially doing it in the same room, um, right. just get out of control. Um, 
and not ever, not all of us are on the same financial level. Uh, you know, again, you know, one, <laughs> one of them is the son of a huge pop star, and everyone else is a normal, fucking regular. Every, every you're, you're not taking the Concord to Europe, I take it. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's not that easy to sustain that balance of that. And so, and then, of course, then, then there's, you know, the, the gig cancellations, which was a huge issue. I, I had the band because I can't stand cancellations, even though we just canceled, had to cancel one of our own. Uh, so it, it does happen. But uh, but but with Sound of Contact, we, we had to cancel Night of the Prague this summer within Continuum. But uh, with Sound of Contact, we had to cancel Yestival, which would have been so cool. And then the other one that was really cool. Well, first of all, we had to cancel an entire North American tour. That was like really bad. Uh, for me, I just felt so bad. And then, uh, but Cruise to the Edge, uh, we had a reunion where we were going to do the entire Dimension on album, which I've never done. And I co-wrote every song on that record. And some songs I completely wrote, and I've never even played them. Uh, so, <laughs> or almost completely wrote. And so it's like, that was, and Kelly didn't get to play with us. He's a guitar player at all, because he quit the band before we even released the record. So this was his chance too. And it just, blew up in our faces and that was just like that was it we just could not function as a band and again you know so having known that looking back thinking you know you know the i should have sucked it up and even though it was disrespectful or i felt this and that or whatever at the time um it's like yeah, but what difference does it make? You know, you, you, if you're if you're uh, quibbling about percentages and business things, uh -huh. it's like, but there's no band at all. It was just experiences, and I was left out of some fun experiences. And so, if I weigh it up, look back now, I'd rather have been there, even if it still didn't work. Uh, I feel bad, like people saw, you know, the band, and they didn't really get to see the main guys. You know when they could have. So, but well, if yeah. I understand correctly, you had other material for the band that you then went on to develop. Is, oh, yeah. is, is, so, well, so, so, talk about your, your how you took that material. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> I had other material even for Dimension Op, but what ended up happening is um, we would either jam ideas in the studio together, like genesis and that was a lot of fun and then one of us would take it and write lyrics so like mobius slip for example for instance mobius slip or whatever you want to say it. um kelly and simon uh took the first half and wrote lyrics while i wrote the lyrics to the end part the um starlight and all that uh section and that you know i see the starlight in your eyes and all that and I remember crying when I wrote it. It brought it to the guys. Like, oh my god! You know, and I was like up in a loft in, in the zone. And they were writing all the sort of sci-fi-ish um, radioactive uh -huh. waves, you know, all that stuff. And they were yeah. more into that side, and I was more into the romantic, you know, sort of lush, proggy side. Um, so it was a good balance. And then, um, but then other songs, uh, like for instance, "Pale Blue Dot" was one that Simon brought in, and then we would doctor it or I would do like add like the who keyboard part in the intro type thing. And, you know, some of those like uh, bells and whistles and then not coming down is a song I brought in. Cause I wrote it about Kevin originally. Um, and 
if there was any tweaking, we would tweak. Simon and I would, you know, tweak the lyrics together or write the lyrics. I had actually there was one song, "Beyond Illumination," was a song that I had originally planned to do with John Anderson, because we were talking about working together. And there is one song that we co-wrote that's going to be on the next In Continuum album uh, that with John Anderson uh, mm -hmm. co-writing. Mm -hmm. co but this other song, Beyond Illumination, which was called Don't Leave Me Now at the time, uh, was kind of like left undone and waiting around for, for John. So, as you might expect, his latest record, I think has been 20-something years in the making. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I love him. But, but uh, and so... Um, anyway, I played it for Simon and he loved it. So we co-wrote the lyrics, uh, for that. And anyway, so there were songs I had, oh, and that, what happened is I ended up having, I was just prolific and, and had a lot of songs built up for like, maybe for my solo record, which hadn't happened yet or different things. And he had just done a solo record, uh, you catastrophe. So he was looking for other people to pitch material. And, um, we actually recorded two of Matt's. Uh, but he, there were some things with him being out of the band and then he came back to the band and when Kelly left, it's always been like a little soap opera. Um, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I ended up having too many songs on the record as it is. So there was a bunch of songs that, that of mine that just, it wouldn't have been, you know, right to put on uh, dimension on because I, I already had way over my allotment. And then, um, same thing happened. We actually made a conscious effort to try to like split the songwriting, you know, contributions a little more sure. evenly, but I still had more. And then, um, so, uh, we had more than an album's worth. At one point we were even thinking about doing like a, a second and a third record or a double record. Uh, but anyway, when we just, when everything kind of fell apart, um, and, you know, eventually Simon and Kelly quit. Um, you know, we, we don't disclose the reasons, but, you know, the general thing is all the pressure and all, you know, you can just imagine, uh, you know, canceling a big gig like that and everybody just, you know, tension being high and stuff. And uh, the, only, the only thing that's weird is they, they uh, announced it without even telling Matt and I. It was a public announcement. Oh. That's how we found out. And we were like, oh, okay. You know, like, that's a little... But, uh, like, you know, rash. But um, in any case, we were, you know, we're still friends and communicate. I just, just heard from Simon recently. Um, and, uh, but we decided, sorry, this is the longest answer ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I'm finally getting to the question, uh, which was about, you know, the material. So, yeah, we decided sensibly to... Uh, say, look, this album, you know, is taking forever. We started in 2015. It was 2018 or 19, no, 18 when they left. And so it's like, let's just, you know, everyone take back their songs. I had actually tried to see if we could use the same recordings, all of us, but that didn't fly, you know, and that would have been cool for people to be able to hear the original tracks. But um, that sounds a little funky, yeah. <laughs> maybe it would have been a little too, you know, confusing. So, so I got uh, you know great players like Nick DiVirgilio and Marco Miniman to do the drums, um, and you know, to be honest with you, it actually gave uh, me an opportunity 
almost to like use the first recordings as demos to see what worked and didn't work and kind of improve upon it, uh, you know, in, in terms of um, opportunities for just the arrangements and different parts and things. Because um, <clears throat> we had we had already recorded and spent a ton of money in the studio, ton of money in the studio, and it's like, well, now I'm starting fresh, and if I could do it over, what would I do? So I had that <laughs> opportunity, and plus, you know, with in continuum which is like a band but it's really just me it's a project with lots of guests and matt um but it's like matt and i with with just you know different people playing different parts but with soc it was more of like a four-man band with like one or two guests like maybe a string player and a guest vocalist but within continuum it could be anything so we got steve hackett to do a solo we got steve rothery from early in to do a solo um john davison from yes is on there um a girl named leticia wolf um does a similar role that hannah stobart did on dimensionot um and gabriel gudo is a second lead vocalist besides me and that's something that we had talked about with sound of contact multiple lead vocalists uh but it kind of got vetoed um you know but now it's like well now we can you know so so there's a lot of <laughs> you know like freedom but to be honest with you like i would have preferred i mean i love doing in continuum and i love could you imagine that the uh, sound of contact becoming like the royal affair of neo prog that, that that would have been kind of cool yeah i mean there was more but it's it's an uphill battle within continuum especially with soc fans because number one i think there's a general thing where sometimes people just think the singer like it's kind of like with Genesis when when everyone thought the music was Peter Gabriel and everyone else was insignificant and the band hated that Tony Banks especially probably was just like no you know and so they they proved, <laughs> they proved themselves without Peter Gabriel that they still had their own thing and so we're sort of in a similar situation almost where it's like listen I know you know, he's the son of Phil Collins, and it sounds like anything that's Genesis-y about it would be from him. But probably I'm a bigger Genesis fan, or know more, certainly know more about the Peter Gabriel era. Uh, he know, He's more into the era that he grew up with. Uh, obviously saw it firsthand in his, you know, he's got it in his blood as a drummer and stuff. But, um, but you know, stylistically, like if you listen to his solo records, He's more into electronica than the sort of proggy Genesis stuff. So that that more that comes more from me. But the combination was no doubt great. And I loved working with him and all the guys. So it's a shame. I would I tried everything, you know, but you you with a band, it's not up to you. It's it's up to all of you. And and you're only as strong as the weakest thing in the chain or whatever, all those expressions. It's like you can't do it unless everyone is on board <laughs> doing the same things together and agreeing. So since that's kind of proven to be very difficult to do, I, I am enjoying sort of um, captaining the ship for some of these other projects because at least I know probably the most frustrating thing in the world. For well, me I mean... You grew up in the 70s like we did, and you couldn't do it alone. You needed a band. You needed a team. There was no computer. The four-track wasn't loud enough. It wasn't powerful enough. 
and you were putting together that team. And now just everything's at your fingertips, right? Well, yeah, so, but I so still need the team. Where, 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 where do you blend? Yeah, where, where do you find that blend? Because you've got Fernando and you've got some amazing people. And, and I, where, I have a team of people. And, I mean, the catch is, is that you know, there's one difference. I have to pay them. I mean, you know, <laughs> when you pay people, it's amazing what you get, you know. Uh, but, uh, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's like if you want to be in charge of a project, no problem. Uh, but, you know, you do have to pay for everything and, you know, sort of do all the work as far as, you know, mixing and producing and all that stuff. But I don't mind. Um, <clears throat> I enjoy it. And, you know, Kevin was like that. Um, but, you know, you got to be resourceful and know as a producer, you got to know, like who can do what for what project and have a sense of that. Of course, the more you work with them, the better idea you have of like what their strengths are. And, um, you know, so Fernando has been someone I've worked with a lot and I just know I can rely on him for certain things. Same thing with Matt. I've worked with Matt a lot outside of sound contact, Randy McStein also just, you know, Talk about Randy, talk about Randy because he's just a power. He's, he's kind of the, un like, a lot of people know the name Dave Kersner. Everybody knows Nick DiVirgilio. And then Randy McStein, he's just kind of like showing up, kind of like a Where's Waldo. <laughs> Tell us about Randy. <laughs> Where's Waldo? Well, I don't know about that. I think he's starting to get more, um, you know, uh, attention because he's so busy. He's uh, right now, I think he's opening for Morse Fest. Um, and he's um, playing with Stu Ham on Crucias this time. And. Uh, he's he's just guested on Marco Miniman's album, uh, and actually oh, yeah. Marco Marco, who is like one of the you know top musicians in the world, top drummer certainly, uh, said to me how brilliant he thought Randy was, and of course both those guys work with me and in Continuum, um, and that's how they met. But um, you know he said, man, if Randy can't make it, then we're all screwed. He's so talented. Oh man, he's got the crystal clear vocals, and he just kind of breathes in, and you you hear him open up like like a swan song. It's beautiful, and and yeah. and 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 on and on top of that, he's he's just got a lot of dexterity on the fretboard. He's incredible. Uh, I really think uh, he's brilliant, um, a true artist. And I worked with him actually. Met, met the first time I worked with him was on his record, uh, Lo-Fi Resistance uh, Chalk Lines album. Uh, which has Gavin Harrison and Colin Edwin from Porcupine Tree. Uh, as oh, Gavin, yeah, yeah. The two of them. That was a treat to work with them because they're just incredible. And Randy. Um, so, um, yeah, in fact, there's a song from that, a new version of that song. This is uh, news right here. No one knows about this. Um, that uh, new uh, instrumental version that's going to be coming out on an album I'm releasing later this year. Um and it's really cool. It's just Randy and I. But, um, you know, I love working with him uh, because he's really creative. Well, first of all, the other thing about these guys is they're, they're professional. They are, um, you know, creative and capable of a lot of different things. You know, all those guys happen to be like multi-instrumentalists. So, like, sometimes when I've had them on stage, I'm like, 
can you guys, can you switch? Can you play bass? Can you play guitar? And you do the lead and you do the, and like, they're just like chameleons. I'm not like that. I'm more, <laughs> I mean, I'm more of a songwriter, but like I play guitar to write songs, but I'm not like, you know, a shredder or whatever. Uh, but like, you know, if I'm, I'm going to Randy or Fern and I say, look, you got to do Francis Dunnery's parts or Steve Hackett's parts. And they're like, no problem. And they just <laughs> take it on. I love that. <laughs> Uh, did you catch Billy's story about Steve on uh, his latest interview? That was a no. fun one. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> you gotta, you, you gotta hear it. Um, um, the audio is pretty nuts, though. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find it. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I've only had. I'm friends with like all the guys in the current. Yes, but except for, I mean, I've talked to Alan White a bit, not a lot actually. But the other guys, you know, Jay and uh, John and Billy and Jeff. So those are those are like, you know, my friends. Uh, but Steve, I've only exchanged a few words with him. And I, I, I the only I had this one moment that was really like the moment. But I just didn't want to screw it up. I was in this artist lounge area where where the artists can eat, uh, have like a little bit, you know, nice meals or whatever, in addition to the regular buffet on the cruise the edge. And I was alone because, like, whatever. I don't care. I just, if I'm hungry, I just eat, you know, sometimes. And he was alone. So he probably the same way. And he was, like, five tables across. And he was staring at me. And I'm like, oh, Steve, ha yes, uh, Steve Howe is staring at me. He's a Steve Howe. <laughs> my friend. I hang with Steve. Steve's the nicest guy in the music business. You said I'm nice, but no, Steve Hackett is the nicest guy in the music business. But, uh, but Steve Howe isn't. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he, he's all right. But uh, sometimes he seems a little grumpy. But uh, but anyway, like he didn't seem mean or anything. He was just staring at me, like kind of like I know who you are, and maybe like why don't you come on over here? But he didn't say that, <laughs> and I didn't want to go over there and just be like uh, I'm eating. So like I was just looking at the Roger Dean painting behind you. So uh, why don't you just go back to your seat? No, uh, so I've, I just I don't know. He's kind of intimidating. Uh, even to me, just only because I, I'm such a fan and I don't want it to be like ruined with any kind of like bad experience in a conversation. So I've only said a few words and they were very nice back and forth. And, you know, but I'd love to work with him. He's he's just amazing. But but anyway, what did Billy say? I got this is, you know, yeah, Billy's at some of it and he goes up to Steve Hackett and they've been trading files online for, I don't know, wait, three wait, wait, years, wait. four years. Wow. Talking about Howard, hack, hack, hack it, hack it, oh, hack it, hack it, hack it, and, and then, yeah, yeah, and they've been training. <laughs> so, so, so Billy finally, after three years of of, of mixing and producing contributions from oh, Hackett, I know this already. yeah, I know it goes this. up to him, and 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 then Hackett says, "Oh, I'm late for dinner. Sorry." And then and then they go and they sit at the same table, <laughs> and Billy's like, "You kind of blew me off in the hallway." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, Billy told me that story. That's yeah. Um, you know, that's funny because and, and Steve Hackett actually doesn't really blow people off, but you know, he gets bombarded. So he probably was just a little bit sort of aloof, you know, maybe because he was thinking about something else. But um, <clears throat> because he's actually very personable. But yeah, um, it's it's funny because it's a good lesson. Because you never know who you're talking to. In fact, I'll tell you one funny story. It's I was we were doing the Landmice Down on Broadway uh, tribute. This one-off show in 1994, and there was this guy standing there, and 
I didn't know who he was. He just was just standing there. And I thought he like, you know, worked there or whatever, like was the janitor or something. I don't, I don't know who he is. He was just a guy, like a guy dressed in plain clothes, just hanging around. And, you know, I wasn't mean, but I wasn't like, Hey man, how's it going or anything? Cause he was just a guy standing there. Like, uh, you know, we were hanging out. And then Kevin says to him, he's like, well, Bill, what do you think? I'm like, Bill, and then I'm clicks in my head. Like Bill, Bill Petrell, the producer, yeah, Bill Betrell is this amazing producer. Not everybody would know would would know who he is, but I did. And he happened to be like <laughs> you know, he produced Toy Matinee or he engineered Toy Matinee, and he produced Thomas Dolby and you know all sorts of different people. And he did the Cheryl Crow record. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Bill Betrell. Like, what the fuck is he doing here? And he ended up doing. Oh, can I curse on your thing? And I hope yes, that's absolutely. Okay. We've got. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, ahead, fuck. Man. Great. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll abuse it now. So anyway, and he was mixing live sound, and that was very typical of Kevin not to say anything, not even to tell us, just like, oh yeah, by the way, Bill's going to do live sound for us. I'm like, what? Why? Uh, but anyway, and I remember at that moment, it's like, you know what? You don't know who you're standing next to, so just be nice to everybody, and then let it all unfold. You'll be surprised that you're actually sitting right next to, you know, <laughs> Paul McCartney or whatever. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know if it's Paul, but, um, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, so that's ironic. Uh, that like, I, but I remember that, that story of Steve Hackett saying, you know, like, Oh, right. But that's funny. Cause it's actually a symptom of the times where sometimes we work with people over the internet and we've never even met in person. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. There are a bunch of people on yesterday and today who I've never met in person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, all right. You should um, encourage us to maybe go on cruise to the edge. So, so we haven't been there, wow. and, and it seems it seems like there there are, there are a couple yeah. key places where people actually shake hands. Oh yeah? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Let me sell you on this thing. Do you want to like have a drink with? Um, <laughs> You know, Jeff Downs at the bar or maybe like go to the slot machine with Alan White, his wife. Or do you want to like, you know, um, pet stingrays with um, <laughs> Mike Pornoy? Um, no, I mean, it's, right on, yeah. it's a hang and um, it's a priceless hang. It really is. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this obviously from my perspective as, as a music artist performing, I get a certain experience from it that for me is priceless. But I have to say that what I see in the people that just go, obviously guys that like go like Joe who participate in the late night jam, if you're a musician, that's also its own thing where you get to perform in that. But even people that aren't performing, they're just music fans that want to check out the music. Everyone has such an epic time. And there's just so much music and so much, uh, you know, like for instance, you might be, not like watching me play standing next to Pat Masolato from King Crimson or something, you know, and like talking <laughs> oh, to him about me, you know, or or vice versa. I'll be standing with you and we were watching the Stickmen, and and like you know, it's that it's Tony. a very cool, down to earth uh, vibe. You know, a lot of prog musicians happen to be nice, maybe nicer than other styles of music where we're just kind of like, yeah, you know. Um, accessible and, and like to hang, and plus it's a cruise, so you know. Uh, I was talking to people in the jacuzzi, 
you know, it's very real. Like, you know, not everyone <laughs> kind of mingles like that, but a lot of us do. Uh, Durga McBroom, you could totally go to the jacuzzi with Durga and have a chat about Pink Floyd. He's got the best <laughs> Pink Floyd stories, you know, yeah. so... Uh, and actually, we're going to be performing some Pink Floyd music together with the McBroom sisters as his own thing. So this time. So it's really, honestly, I think I think it's worth it. If you're able to convince your significant others or whatever you have to do, your jobs, get, you know, leave. And anyone listening as well, like, I cannot recommend for any progressive rock fan, Cruise to the Edge, cannot recommend it enough. It's just pure fun. And memories are like priceless. What else are you going to spend money on anyway? You know, you got to buy experiences, right? It's like going to a concert or missing a concert and imagine like, you know, you missed it and you can't ever see a band play again or that those songs like, again. Yeah, you got to get up and do these things. So I hope you guys do go. I, it seems like everyone's a VIP. I mean, you can go to a show on land and get the VIP package, but when, w- once you get to that level, I think everyone's a VIP. Um, I, I can, I'm committing myself to um, Prague stock. That's what we have here on the East Coast. So yeah. de- definitely, definitely doing that. T- putting putting my toe in the water. <laughs> and the then, and then stock is great too. Um, yeah. But obviously, it's a different thing. But it, but it's um, you know, it's a great festival. Uh, in a theater i've done it twice um in fact there's only been two so i've done both of them so far and they are very nice um tom and everybody uh marty exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and rob those guys are great and um the whole staff and everybody the spirit of it is fantastic um and i, I have to say I, i'm a big fan of all progressive rock especially festivals um i just think that you know, it's an underdog genre to some extent, and it's niche. And, you know, for there to be people celebrating it, well, we did Prague Day. That was awesome. Uh, different kind of vibe, like an outdoor kind of uh, hippie vibe, which was fun. And uh, Roz Fest was great. I don't know what it's like now that they're in Florida, but I wouldn't mind doing that again. And, you know, Night of the Prague is fantastic in, in Germany. It really is. So, you know, they're all uh worth going to you know i think probably cruise to the edge for me is is the uh the pinnacle uh of of that kind of experience um but you know certainly um i couldn't mm-hmm. recommend uh prog stock enough i think that's you're gonna have a blast <laughs> <laughs> well while, while we've got you okay so 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 not just the uh concert recommendations and the festival recommendations but uh the palaver here we're, 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 we're a startup we're in our second year um so, so so tell us what we should do with our little operation here <laughs> oh man i you know i i i you'd think i have an opinion on everything and i almost do uh but uh or some advice <laughs> or criticism but uh no man you guys are great and uh i think again it's, it's i feel the same way i feel like you know the effort if you guys are this is your second year uh and you're really into it um and you know the spirit, the vibe is good. I say just carry on doing what you're doing because um, you're helping um, keeping the genre going, you know, and uh, giving people something to listen to and think about and and um, stirring the pot, um, which we all kind of have to do because if we love this style of music, um, you know, it's up to us to keep it alive in all the different um, 
ways that we could do that. And that's why I like to participate uh, in something like this. Because, and hopefully it was interesting, you know, uh, some, some stories. Oh, people, hell yeah. Reasons people to check out <laughs> Continuum or my solo records or all this music. Because that's the point, is that there's, you know, there are, look, we're kind of in the same boat, no pun intended with the Chris S thing. Ha, how you doing? Uh, but uh, I'll be here all week. Uh, but the, you know, in the, in the sense that we're doing, you know, you're doing a podcast uh now about you know these subjects i'm doing new albums in this style of music and so all of this stuff is very much alive it isn't just hey let's talk about the 70s and how great that was and that's it and you know let's try to relive the 70s and keep listening to the same records over and over again and all oh, those guys are retired so we can't interview them but we'll just talk to them it's like no there are guys like myself and others, the ones we've talked about, who are currently making, you know, sort of passing, torch has been passed and keeping it going uh, for people who enjoy this style of music, but they need to be able to hear about it. And thank goodness, I don't normally say thank goodness, but I don't know what else to say. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, uh, thank goodness. <laughs> I am but getting old. Uh, so, so, so Dave, when you're going deep, when, when you're into that 10-minute song when you've got, you know, 32 tracks and you're really in the creative moment, are there any rules? Do you cut yourself off from pop music? Do you cut yourself off from the mobile phone and Skype and Facebook? Like, like, how, are, are there any tricks for, for, for getting back into the seventies basically? Oh, no. Well, first of all, usually, unless it's like a tribute album where I'm specifically going for a, a thing that has rules, um, like for instance, if you're doing a tribute, you're doing a cover, the rules are to respect the song. So if you're going to change it, it better be a change that serves the song. Otherwise, you know, stay authentic. And actually with the yesterday and today tribute, we stayed maybe a little too authentic, but we played it safe and just kind of did what, if you're a yes fan, you would not consider blasphemy. Uh, you're like, what did you do? Why did you put a hip hop beat under, you know, Heart of the Sunrise? But um, no, we didn't do that. But, um, but you know, uh, but the when you're writing, um, there's no rules really for me per se. I mean, I shouldn't say there's no rules. There's rules that kind of are self-evident. Like they, the song, it's an interactive thing between the writer and the song. You're, you're crafting the song, and then the song kind of suggests to you what to do with it. So it's like clay. If you were to put clay and just throw it onto the table, and then it starts to look like a person. And you're like, oh, that looks like a person. Let me, let me chisel away and then bring the person out. Like, oh, it actually looks like you know David and Goliath. It's two people, and I'm not going to carve this into David and Goliath. So that's how it is for me. It's sort of like... I don't go, well, I think I'm going to write a 20-minute epic right now. But I, don't, I never do that. It literally is just a song that just turns into one. Uh, you know, a bunch of ideas that kind of flow and, and make like, like itself uh, be that way. And, um, and if, if it feels right. So, you know, it just, I don't, I mean, that, but now the other part of the question is, do I turn off, first of all, I don't go on Skype much. But like, do I turn off the phones and this and that or whatever? Yeah, sometimes I do shut myself off from the world when I'm in the zone. 
um, because it can be distracting. And actually, it's one of the reasons why myself and probably a lot of other musicians tend to work late at night because there's no no there's no one to talk to anyway, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> there's no, no distractions. There's no noise. There's no you know. So it's uh, a good time to just plug away because it does take a long time to do all this stuff. You know, that's the thing. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I miss those days. Just being in the studio with, with before we had mobile phones and just <laughs> nobody could find you. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. So so Dave, if I could if I could take a step back and and ask a sort of a, a selfish question, sure. um, uh, you know about some of your your past. So um, you know, scanning through. You know the the information that's available online here. One of the things that pops out is, and I I probably should have seen this before um, when we were doing the episode. But but you've got a you've got a credit for sound design on uh, Stephen Wilson's Grace for Drowning, and yeah. through through our series of covering his solo records, I, I have just for lack of a better phrase, fallen completely in love with Stephen Wilson and his music. So I, you know, I'd like to know if you had any sort of stories around that experience or anything special that came out of that. Yeah, I do actually have a good one. Um, basically what happened was this years ago, a friend of mine named Mark McCright, the same guy who turned me on to Kevin Gilbert. And he's just one of my friends, one of those friends who was like, a an encyclopedia of music like he was your friend who like would you know hey you gotta check out this you know go listen to this so um he played me stars die that the album around that time yep uh and i thought oh this is cool you know this is pretty cool uh and i could sort of relate ironically i even thought about it then i thought oh this something like something i would do and um but then i didn't follow porcupine tree from that point and just kind of did my own thing for a while and then um, when we all got together with Sound of Contact, Kelly and Simon were way into Fear of a Blank Planet. And uh, the incident, incident had just come out. <clears throat> and so uh, we were all listening to that you know, while we were hanging out and stuff and sort of pointing out things about it that we liked, which were a more kind of aggressive and... And Kelly's more of a, a heavy metal guitar player guy, actually. So it was an interesting balance. So he was a little more partial toward, you know, the guitars, and I was more into the keyboards because I was a keyboard player, the more into the Genesis stuff. But, uh, but you know, I was really getting into it, and I thought, you know, I'll reach out to Stephen Wilson. He seems like, you know, I like him too, and I like this Porcupine Tree stuff, and see if he wants any sounds or software. You know, I could just donate a few things for the cause, you know, just kind of be right. nice and say, hey, look, if you want some sound libraries or whatever. And he did. He wanted to get my uh, Mellotron library and uh, a few other things. <clears throat> um, and then invited me to see Porcupine Tree uh, at the Radio City Music Hall, which is where I met John Wesley, who we ended up working with. Um, yeah. And that was an amazing show. Um, <clears throat> and I think at some point, either before or after that, he was working on Grace for Drowning at the same time we were working on um, Dimensionaut in 2010. And we kind of struck up like an internet friendship where we were, and this is amazing, we were sending each other tracks 
So he's sending me like unfinished tracks. I've got a whole bunch of unfinished tracks I can never play anybody, but um, of just his works in progress. And I didn't ask him to. He was just asking my opinion and vice versa. I was sending him tracks and he was like, oh, like he really liked Not Coming Down. And then some other stuff he said, like I remember Mobius Slip, I played him that. And he's like, the heavy metal guitarists need to be like heavier, <laughs> you know? And so we did. And we're like, yeah, Steve. I and so Simon and Kelly were like fans. And so I said, well, I talked to Stephen Wilson and he said that the uh, guitars need to be heavier. Like, oh, really? Oh, well then, oh my God. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's crank it up. Then. If Stephen Wilson says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were just like blown away that all of a sudden I'm friends with their, the, you know, but that's how it is sometimes. Uh, that's how cool it is to be part of a music instrument software company because, you know, they, there's a, like a, a mutual love that we all have for these tools. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, a nice icebreaker basically is like, look, I can say, you want to try this? Like I did that with Francis Dunnery, you know, he wanted like loops for his album, whatever. And he was so grateful that he offered to, uh, play on, sing on one of my albums uh, that I was working on. And then he liked that so much working with me that we ended up working on a whole bunch of stuff together, but you got to sometimes like do something together before you realize you like working together but that's that's a nice sort of gesture that i've done a few times uh you know where it's kind of like a favor returned kind of situation so anyway but so he started sending me tracks and then after a while i said do you uh do you want me to play on these like why are you why are you sending these to me you know and uh he said yeah you can he said but um as long as you understand that i may or may not use it you know right and i said right. yeah that's fine so i had um i had three tracks i had sectarian and mm -hmm. i had remainder the black dog i think it's called and i had raider two and oh, i love raider two yeah and the only one i had time to work on was raider two and he had actually said to me oh you have plenty of time you have plenty of time and uh and then he had finished uh the other two and he said oh you yeah, know ne never listen to me uh, <laughs> and so I missed it but you know to be honest with you um, he already had really cool keyboards on those songs and I didn't think like I didn't think it needed anything but you know I'm credited as sound design but actually I played keyboards and guitar even guitar oh, great. but more more like effects so I guess it is kind of sound design but it's not like the traditional sound design like in the computer and stuff I was playing instruments and pedals and different things and the, and the interesting thing is um a bunch so he ended up using like maybe half of what i sent him um and the other half and maybe even some of the same sounds actually if you want to really listen carefully uh to raider 2 and mobius slip i ended up using the sounds that he didn't use plus some of the sounds he did use uh on mobius slip in, in some sound design effects and things like that um he didn't want to use the echoes effect um but that's in mobius slip and some other things so um yeah anyway so that's how that all happened it was just kind of like a back and forth happened at the same time um and a lot of fun but um in the end um steven just kind of like i mean i'm a big fan of what he does and i really enjoy it and and you know of course i worked with marco who worked with him and he right. was amazing um and i've worked with john 
uh, Wesley, and he's incredible. Um, and I've worked with Colin Edwin and, and even Garrett Harrison as well, but less directly. And, you know, all, and, and I know Adam, he's fantastic. So he does a great job um, doing keyboards. You know, I mean, some people have asked me, like, if I could work with him, and I certainly would, but I just don't think he's like, interested like that was just sort of like a one-off like wham bam thank you ma'am and like i'm off <laughs> i'm off to my world of you know my world you know and of course he's doing fantastic so i'm happy for him but you know i don't see there's not been nothing since nothing like hey you know dave uh remember when we <laughs> nah. it's like dave who's that you know? <laughs> that's great cool so, um, I, I guess, you know, as, as we, uh, we're about an hour into this here at this point. Yeah. So I guess, you know, the, the question that I would have is, you know, and maybe we, we covered some of this already, but, but maybe as sort of a wrap up then, you know, what are, what are, what are some things that, that Dave Kersner's working on today that you want people to be aware of, to look out for, or to go out and get right now? Okay, well, thanks. Um, right now, uh, I just released a live album called Static Live. Um, it's um, that and all my records uh, are available on sonicelements.bandcamp.com, um, including uh, the Yesterday and Today tribute that we were talking about to Yes, uh, which is under the Sonic Elements banner. And Sonic Elements is actually my uh, Sonic Reality-based uh, music you know, the tributes and all that kind of stuff, but that's where I run my band camp from kind of like a label. Sure. And, sure. uh, in continuum, uh, there's, there's the debut album, uh, which came out last year, uh, called, um, acceleration theory part one. And now part two is coming out next month called annihilation. And, um, it's a concept album. Um, a lot of the songs were the songs that were going to be on the second sound of contact album. And, some of them are co-writes with the other guys, and then most of them are just songs that I wrote. Um, and um, yeah, so there's that coming. And then I have, I guess I could say it's been sort of like it's not officially announced, but I'm doing a really fun compilation album, um, kind of like a, a best of or whatever. But what's what I like about it, I mean, because basically the label... Uh, that I work with is is run by Yes's management company and this company called Cherry Red, and so they don't have my first album New World, um, and they also don't have Dimension Odd, they don't have Montre Vega, and they don't have a lot of things that I've done, and a lot of people don't necessarily know either. Like they haven't necessarily connected the dots. Like maybe they know about Sound of Contact, but they don't know about In Continuum, or they don't know about me, Dave Kersner, as a solo artist. And vice versa, there's people that know me as a solo artist, but they don't know that, uh, you know, I wrote these songs on the Sound Contact record, or I wrote songs on Mantra Vega or In Continuum or Lo-Fi Resistance. So what I've done is I put together with the label, asked me to do this, but I happily put together this um, compilation of, of songs from these different projects. So let's say there's... Um, uh, I think three or four Sound of Contact songs redone in the studio. Um, there's uh, Montre Vega songs with a twist. There's a Lo-Fi Resistance song with a twist. Uh, and then there's even my solo uh, songs. Most of them 
have like something different about them. So even if you have the album already, it's like, oh, but this version's sort of like the director's cut. Right. It was kind of like, well, actually, you know, this version of Into the Sun has Fern's solo in the middle that he does live. And that this one has, in fact, there's certain things we do live that we never did in the studio. And I redid studio versions like the live version. So, oh, cool. like, yeah, so things like that. So it's, I'm very, I don't like to just, you know, milk it with the same thing. I'm thinking like, all right, look, you know, if somebody, because most of the people who buy this are going to be people who already know my music, but the point of it is actually to introduce me with one in one shot to like someone, you know, let's say if we go on tour, I'm in a new band actually that I can't announce yet, but you're going to like it. You're going to really like it. And when it is a, <laughs> that's a that's like, a tease, I think, is what they call yes. that. <laughs> it's a different band, and it's for once. It's not. I mean, not for once, but like, unlike, let's say, in Continuum or my solo thing, or or some of these other projects, this isn't my band. That I've been asked to join this band, but this you're gonna like it. It's just people that you know that you're gonna like, and when but we're gonna tour. Uh, assuming it all goes through and happens, but that's the plan. And um, at the merch desk, probably if we only have one thing, I would have this. So it's kind of like a sampler of like, look, here's Dave Kersner, and if you like this, go buy the rest of his records. So it's it's kind of a cool multi-purpose thing. But I think if you're already a fan, you wanted like rarities or something different, or you know. Like, if you wanted to hear certain songs, like, what would I do differently now with it? It's like, well, I'd do this. Like, for instance, I just released as a bonus track for my live album, Static Live, I have this song called uh, Paranoia. And I released that. Oh, yeah, good track. Thank you. And I released it as a single with mostly just Fernando and I playing. And I played the drums even. And, um, you know, just program drums with uh, these drums that recorded at Genesis Studio. And, uh, you know, they sound cool, but um, it sounds even cooler blended with Derek Cintron, our, our live drummer, and the McBroom sisters singing backup vocals, and I forget what else we added to it, but basically <clears throat> a sort of, you know, more just the next evolution of the song, uh, and it sounds even cooler than the original version to me. It's fuller, and that's what we do live anyway, so it was like, as I was hearing it live, I'm like, oh, I totally should have got the McBroom sisters to sing on this. I'm like, well, I still can. Right. Uh, you know, so I mean, I'm not going to do that all the time like crazy, you know, revisiting the same songs like George Lucas, uh, Star Wars. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, but once, as a, you know, this is a good occasion to do it. That's great. Wow. Very cool. <laughs> this band just kind of has me on the edge of my seat, but I guess that's the point here. So I, yeah. I, I, I would be in big trouble. Oh. If it was my secret, I'd probably spill the beans because I just did about my compilation album. That hasn't been officially announced, uh, but I'm, in, I'm allowed. Um, but uh, this other thing, I would be, uh, it's just not, I can't. But, you know, I can, I, the only thing I can tell you is that we did band photos and they're really cool. It's a cool band. Like, it just, you know, everything about it is like, it makes sense. Like when you, when you find out, you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that had to happen. And, uh, but and, and when, um, when when will this uh, the big reveal take place? I don't know. It's you know I, I would imagine I, I don't know. I think soon, but it's fun. I gotta say, like you know, sometimes I think when I hear myself 
you know, back or like when I think about what people must think of me, you know, there's a potential for them to think like I'm the sort of control freak type because I like to be in charge and this and that or whatever. And it's like, I do, I do only because I like to see something get done, but I, it's a bigger philosophy. It's not really about me. It's just someone has to be in charge. If it's not me, I actually like being part of something where other people, first of all, I like to be on the other side, getting paid instead of being the one paying everybody. Right, yeah. That's so <laughs> right? That's a nice switch. Uh, but the other thing is, it's great to me, like, uh, to be part of a project that has its own manager, its own agent, its own gigs booked, its own things going on. And I just have to show up. Um, and it's, and it's cool. So, I mean, I like that. I mean, I wouldn't say I like it just as much because I love to write and I love to create the, the, the thing. But, you know, it's a balance. And I think being able to do both is like having your cake and eat it, too. So I'm excited about it. But I can't say anything because it's not my place to say. Except All right. For well, I mean, the, cool seg this, the segue was, yes, it's management company. That's all I need to hear. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. All right. Um, I, I, I'm... I'm I'm very much looking forward then to uh, to seeing what uh, what exactly you've got going on, and I will take you at your word that we are going to really really like it. That's great. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, one other little thing is that's for fun. I can say because it's not really a secret is next month um, is like an England excursion, and uh, I'm going to be hanging with Jeff Downs. Oh, nice. Yes, but. No particular plan. It'll either be just a hang with okay. Jeff and his wife, or it'll be a writing session or a guesting thing where he guests. It's kind of fun not even knowing. It's just an invite. They just invited me over their place, and I'm just going to hang there for a week, and we'll see what happens. But um, you know, something's bound to happen. I mean, I, I'm going to prepare a few things that I want him to play on at least. But uh, but as far as what he wants to do, I don't know. But that's going to be kind of fun. Yeah, that, but that's, that's a separate thing. That that's a great opportunity. Absolutely, very cool. All right. So, can um, <laughs> anything else uh, before we sort of wrap? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 possible thing I could be doing. I I, I, I almost volunteered to interview. Jeff Downs, but is it is is he the dirty old man of uh, podcasting? Would he? Uh, is he's he's, he's he's a little uh, uh, brisk, right, and a little uh, uh, rough around the edges? Is that what I get from his Twitter feed? Yeah, his, he, his, his Twitter he, feed pulls no punches. That's for sure. <laughs> I love Jeff. I mean, you know, he, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I think that's kind of the fun of him. Is you don't know like what to what you're gonna get, but. Um, I would say, though, that, um, I mean, let's put it this way. Um, if you press his buttons, then you might get a sort of, you know, who knows? But, uh, <laughs> but if, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you say, I prefer Rick Wakeman or something, you're going to get some nasty. But, uh, or whatever. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think, like, he's a really nice guy, so... I think probably, you know, if you're just really nice and respectful, you'll just get a really funny, uh, great interview from him. And, you know, he's cool. Like, you know, he'll, he'll, he would tell you stuff. I mean, I've, I've quote unquote interviewed him, you know, just asking him like, hey, man, like, 
what keyboard did you use? You know, nerdy questions and stuff like that. And he's so cool about it. He's like, oh, well, I used Fairlights. And, you know, and you're like, you know, he's just Good. awesome. You know, he's Good. fun to talk to. So hopefully you can, uh, you know, and he's been really nice too. I, one of the things that like, not every musician from that era, let's say, cares about the next generation musicians and, and bothers to say things, but he's been a fan of sound contact and new world and he and his wife offered to play with me on my song uh he put on into the sun which was amazing because that's a song where i play acoustic guitar and keyboards and i had to pick one and i usually do the acoustic so there's no keyboards live and he did it wow. and that for me was just such a like priceless because it's one thing to do a yes song and it's like well everyone wants to do a yes song i mean you know stand in line but like but like for him to do my song and to know it and like it that just felt so good i felt like the child <laughs> young teenager me going like yes you've made it well the, the coolest thing that the coolest thing we saw was joey cassano and total mass retain playing subway walls for jeff in front of jeff at uh, yes 50. oh so, and they and, and and jeff and his wife love uh um love him <laughs> you know so i mean it's it's really nice you know and again I, i'm gonna lure you guys back to cruise to the edge but a lot of these relationships and things happen on cruise to the edge just hanging we'll, out <laughs> we'll have to figure that out okay <laughs> awesome awesome <laughs> David, thank you so much. Yeah, this is awesome. David, David you, you, thank, thanks, thank, guys. You, thank you for spending your nap time uh, talking to us instead. This this was uh, very, very, very enjoyable. And uh, like I said, a, a total unexpected pleasure that really, really made my evening. So, Oh, good. I'm glad. Thanks, guys. It was enjoyable here as well. And, uh, you know, after the big reveal, maybe we'll get you back on and, and we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, your immediate future plans. How about that? Sure. I would love to be able to talk when I know something about uh, where and when we're going to be playing shows, because definitely this year I've, I've, you know, it's been more of a studio in the studio year. And next year is going to be, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot more touring and stuff. So uh, once that happens, I definitely want to, uh, you know, let people know so that they can come meet and shake hands and you know, hopefully we'll get to meet you guys. I'll get to meet you guys at one of these things. Um, I won't be at Prog Stock this year, but uh, but Cruise the Edge, that's the hang. <laughs> we, we've, we've, we've threatened each other's with it, that's for sure. Podcast, <laughs> podcast in the jacuzzi, all right? <laughs> you know, one, one of <laughs> I don't think I don't think our friend Tom would really like the uh, the sonic qualities of that, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, are, a, are you, are you are California? Is that your? Uh, did you move from Florida to SoCo? Is that your 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 deal now, Dave? No, the other way around. Oh, okay, I all right. Moved there, and I lived in California, and and then now I live back in Florida. By the way, just side note: so we were talking about Prague Stock, and Rob Rutz uh, is one of the people there, and Rob did a promo for Prague Stock from some kind of like. Because he travels with his family and, you know, uh, to luxurious places. And he was in some kind of, like, um, uh, hot water, uh, sulfur bath with bubbles or whatever. 
And so he had the bubbles in the recording. He was like risking his phone to do the recording. He's like, oh, hi, everybody. This is Rob. I told him I make fun of him and he laughs. But it's like, like these little bubbles. Like, I don't know. Hi, I just want to tell you about. It's like, oh my god, that is the most ridiculous, awesome thing I've ever seen. Yeah, we uh, we once released an episode where we recorded ourselves in a restaurant. It, uh, you know, maybe wasn't our our shining moment, but you know, you, you try things out and see if they work. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. I think the jacuzzi cast could be a thing. Well, we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely think about that. And if we wind up on cruise to the edge, I think we'll have to give it a shot. Ken, you've got those those mics we tried for mobile palaver. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe that maybe there's a, another opportunity for that. <laughs> well, Jelly Cast, Jelly Cast just fired up his mobile phone on cruise to the edge. He pirated the whole yes set. He was just like he's fearless, man. I don't, I don't know. They opened up the intergalactic cables for him because the quality was decent, man. And then he did Fernando's set, and that that was yeah. pretty. That was pretty sweet. It sounded good. Yeah, it's pretty loose actually on Cruise the uh, Cruise the Edge. <laughs> like right. it's not strict like the con certain concerts where they're like there's an usher who comes over to you and like makes you like take your camera away and all that. It's not like that. It's a total just like. You know, free for all. I mean, there's literally people with like tripods. You know? <laughs> it's hilarious. It's like they really don't, you know, like no one says anything. So it's like, all right, I've got my full rig. There's one guy who did a multi camera thing all on his own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. All right. That's amazing. We're all right. So, so Dave, again, thank you so much. Happy to, uh, to include you in the, uh, the, the the halls of the friends of the palaver here and very much look forward to to speaking with you in the future this will be great so um yeah um i guess at this point i will uh encourage all of our listeners that if you have any you know thoughts questions comments experiences um around dave or his music we invite you to reach out to us you can uh, reach us as always on instagram facebook and um Oh, shoot. What's the other one, Ken? Twitter. That's it. The one I don't actually do anymore. Um, we are at Prague Paula on all of those or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and likely wherever you find your podcasts. And we are hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>